Uh, the big question coming up, of course, uh, is really this idea of the Fed tapering monetary policy. And this is becoming a, a bit more of a concern. Uh, just yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, um, Federal, uh, Federal Reserve member Kaplan came out and said, you know, the economy is going to be really strong here. So we may actually have to taper a lot faster and actually, you know, complete our tapering process by mid-2022. That means reducing $120 billion a month of liquidity by the middle of 2022. That's a very rapid taper at this point for the Federal Reserve. Now, that doesn't include rate, rate hikes at this point. That's just simply reducing that monetary liquidity. Um, but the market's really not buying into this idea very much because the Fed is likely trapped at this point for a couple of reasons. And we actually saw this yesterday. Um, the market opened up fairly weak yesterday, actually came down close to the 20-day moving average, um, bounced off of that very early, very early in the day yesterday, and then rallied for the rest of the day back to all-time highs. And so, you know, again, the market's not really buying this idea that the Fed's going to taper anytime soon. And in fact, money flows into the market yesterday extremely positive. In fact, the last couple of days, there's been a lift in the markets here. Now, slightly, I mean, we're making marginal new highs. We're not making dramatic new highs here. But nonetheless, markets are peeing new highs here. But money flows have been picking up on the positive side. In other words, there's been more buyers than sellers, or at least I should say the, the, they're buying at higher prices, which is creating a positive push in money flows. Now, volume as a function has remained very light. So, you know, a little bit of a dichotomy here between money flows and volume, but, you know, money flow, money flow is coming in and that is lifting asset prices here, but the volume of those transactions are very, very light, something to be a little bit aware of. Now, you know, the, the only issue with this, of course, is that, you know, the markets are saying the Fed is trapped at this point. They're not going to be able to potentially taper. Now, coming up very shortly, we've got the Jackson Hole Summit, which is the annual confab of central bankers from around the world. They're going to be talking about specifically this. Uh, CNBC yesterday said that they expect to hear more talk about taper coming from the Fed by Jackson Hole. Now, again, the only guy that really matters at the end of the day is Jerome Powell. What he says is going to go. So uh, you would fully expect Jerome Powell to come out maybe mention that they're starting to think about thinking about tapering, but not really commit to it just yet. And the re there's a couple of reasons for this. First of all, we saw yesterday in the inflation numbers, producer price indexes are extremely strong. We talked about this a bit yesterday. The gap between PPI, producer price index, and the CPI index, the consumer price index, is at the largest level on record. That means right now that companies are having to absorb more of the cost because they can't pass that on to consumers. Now, Home Depot this morning, very interesting earnings announcement. They beat earnings. Everything was great. The average ticket price was up 11.3%. Now, here's the question. See, now, you know, what people immediately assume is that people are buying more stuff, right? So the average ticket sell up 11.3% at Home Depot. So assuming that people are running out buying more stuff, that's not really the case. People are just paying more for the same amount of stuff, right? And so ticket prices are going up across the board. This is inflation working its way into what we're going to see in terms of retail sales. How do we measure retail sales? Now, this is another important question, right? So we always look at gasoline and we say, well, you know, 
retail sales, X food and gas, right? So gasoline is part of retail sales. How do we measure retail sales in terms of gasoline? As an example, we measure it in dollars, not volume. So are people paying more for gasoline or are they buying more gas? Well, you, when you fill up, you know, every week I fill up and I, you know, my gas tank is only so big. So I buy basically the same amount of gas every single week for my car. I don't buy more gas but I'm paying more for it. So retail sales rise because I'm paying more for that. That's inflation. So this is a real challenge now for the Federal Reserve because not only do they have inflation and strong employment, there is clear evidence now that economic growth is already beginning to weaken here and actually becoming weaker than expected. So, so now here's this challenge. Do I keep providing monetary liquidity to help support economic growth or do I start to taper monetary liquidity because I've reached my targets of inflation and employment? Now, you know, the problem here is, is that as we discussed yesterday here on the show, consumer confidence, I've got an article coming out on this on Friday, but consumer confidence has dropped like a rock in recent, recent weeks because of this idea of really inflation impacting. Now, all of a sudden, as a consumer, I don't have all these extra stimulus payments coming in. I don't have extra unemployment benefits. I don't have this extra help. And prices have risen markedly. So now, all of a sudden, I'm going to have a lot more trouble making ends meet, and I've got to go get a job. So (laughs) this is really impacting consumer confidence. The important thing about this is there is a very high historical correlation between asset prices and consumer confidence until lately. There's been a very big divergence between these two. And the the issue is, is does the market realize this and play catch up to consumer confidence? Or does consumer confidence turn around and play catch up with the markets? That's going to be the big question, but that is the that is the Fed's trap. Do I keep doing QE to try to boost consumer confidence, or do I tailor QE at this point, risk a decline in the markets, and further decline in consumer confidence because inflation and employment have reached my targets? That's going to be the big trick. That's going to be the big question that they've got to ask themselves over the course of the next couple of weeks. One thing to pay attention to, and again, the market may be already well ahead of them on this issue, is watch what's happening with with, uh, 10-year Treasury yields. Uh, Yields rose very slightly here over the last couple of weeks. Got a little bit of an oversold bounce in yields. They came up to the 50-day moving average failed at that point have now turned back lower and uh, are threatening to retest recent lows on the on the 10-year treasury yields right around 1.2 percent maybe a little bit less if we break below this 1.2 percent level really we're going to be back into uh really pushing down towards one percent on the 10-year treasury by the end of this year and again what this tells you and in its entirety is that you are going to get weaker economic growth going ahead. What yields tell you is really the direction, trend, and strength of economic growth. And this is telling you that yields, uh, sorry, that economic growth is going to be weaker than expected going through the end of the year. Again, another problem for the Federal Reserve. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about markets, your money, stuff that's going on today in particular, of course. Uh, Lots of exciting stuff always. And we'll get to it right here on The Real Investment Show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Be right back. A couple of things to get into this morning is so talking a little bit about, you know, this conundrum that I think the Fed is about to find themselves in fairly quickly. Fed's Rosengreen, he's a 2022 voter, said his view is that substantial further progress was made 
and he has no concern about meeting the inflation part of the Fed's mandate. Rosengren added that he would be supportive of announcing the taper program in September if there's another strong jobs report and that his preference would be to start tapering in the fall, potentially October, November, no later than December. Furthermore, he suggested bond purchases are not as effective at the moment because there are shortages of supply and labor in the economy and stated if there, if wages increase more rapidly than expected, it might be a reason to start thinking about increasing interest rates more quickly. Again, you know, this is a problem because if you hike interest rates and taper, then you are basically going to create slower economic growth. Why do you lift interest rates? You lift interest rates to increase borrowing costs. If interest rates go up, people borrow less. So it slows, theoretically, the growth of the economy and the growth of inflation. So people are buying less, right? That's why you lift interest rates. QE was a monetary experiment started by Ben Bernanke back in 2009. And the goal there was to lift asset prices to improve consumer confidence, to get people to spend more money. 70% of the economy is consumption. So makes sense. But the risk you run now is, is that you've already got consumer confidence collapsing. So now you're going to lift interest rates and taper, which is going to drop the financial markets. Um, and then that, not right, not right away, by the way, Markets uh, will initially say, well, it's different this time. But eventually it'll catch up with them because it's just it's about liquidity. And then you have a problem with further weak confidence, of course, lower consumer growth. And again, here's the other problem. We're going to see retail sales today. There is a really good chance that we're going to have a much weaker than expected retail sales number today. Excuse me. And the reason for that is simply this, is that retail sales have been a function of $5 trillion worth of liquidity that's been pumped into the market over the course of the last really few months, right? Ever since last March, we've just been hitting the markets with $1,400 checks, $900 checks, $1,400 checks, extended unemployment benefits, increased benefits, um, you know, emergency benefits, PPP programs, all this other stuff. And that's all gotten translated into people spending more money, which is what you'd expect them to do. And that's why we had this surging boom of economic growth in the third and fourth quarter and first quarter of this year. And then all of a sudden, it's starting to fade fairly quickly because why? Well, the money's running out. And everybody's having to go back to spend what they had before. But now prices are higher. So the money they had to spend before isn't nearly enough to kind of cover the gap. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see less in terms of retail sales So and spending. And interestingly enough, we just saw recently the credit report. And not surprisingly, you know, there for a little bit, for about six months or so, people were spending money, less money on their credit cards because they had all this money from the government to spend. Now that the government money has run out, they still want to live their lifestyle. That cost has gone up. And so we saw a big surge in credit card usage and increase in credit card debt over the last month or two because I got to get the money from somewhere. Cost of living is cost of living. 
And again, it's not that I'm going out and buying more stuff. I'm not buying extra food, extra clothes, extra anything. I'm not buying extra stuff. I'm not buying more stuff just for the sake of buying more stuff. I'm just buying the same amount of stuff. I mean, think about your own personal lifestyle. Are you buying more stuff or are you just paying more for it? And if the case is that I'm buying the same amount of stuff but paying more for it, yes, theoretically, retail sales are stronger because we're paying more for the same amount of stuff. But there's a limit to what I can buy. So these are the conundrums that the Fed's going to face here, as I said, over the next few months. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to keep watching this. Now, this morning, equities are going to open, uh, at least it looks a bit lower. Of course, this is what we saw yesterday. We saw a lower open yesterday over concerns about what's happening in China. Liquidity there. What's happening with the markets? Big crackdown in China on, on a lot of tech stocks. The uh, Securities and Exchange Commission coming out and warning investors about investing in Chinese stocks. Those have been some of the big speculative positions for investors to buy into for retail. But just warning that, hey, you might want to pay attention to what China's doing so that you don't wind up losing a bunch of money. But that's weighing on markets, of course. And, and, and just the reality is, is that, you know, the markets have, have gone a long way very quickly. Since the bottom of the market in March... Market is now up 100% from the lows. Now, that's pretty amazing. It's not unusual. It's happened before that markets have doubled. What's interesting, though, is, is that if you go back in history and look at when markets doubled, it's interesting to see what happened to markets just after they doubled. What were some of the most recent doubling events that we can go back in history to? After the crash of 1974, the market doubled to 1984, had a correction. Then we doubled again to 1987, where the market had a bad Monday, shall we say. <laughs> After the crash of 87... The market doubled again, 1990 to 2000. Of course, I don't need to remind you what happened in, you know, 2000. After the dot-com crash, the market doubled again into 2007. Now, the recent doubling was the fastest in history. It took just a little more than 500 days. Fastest doubling of the markets ever in history. Now, Again, nothing wrong with that, except it was a function of just a massive amount of liquidity being flooded into the markets. Previous doublings were a function of economic growth. Earnings growth, economics growth, stronger trends in markets, those type of things. And these doublings followed, ironically, big market drawdowns where valuations were reverted to fairly low levels, i.e. the crash of 1974 took valuations on stocks down to six times earnings. So not surprising that you had a very strong market following the crash of 1974. That didn't happen in March of 2020. Valuations didn't revert. We're still trading at some of the highest valuations in history. 
So yes, the markets did double very quickly on the back of $5 trillion worth of liquidity being flushed into the markets. And, and of course, uh, combine that with QE, not surprising. Now the Fed's talking about reducing taper. We've got less liquidity coming into the markets. Even centric Democrats are now starting to push back against Nancy Pelosi over the $3.5 trillion spending bill, which may that means may that means that could get hung up here for a while. So the risk is rising for investors. Just stuff to pay attention to. That's all it is. Now, again, does this mean that you should go cash out? And, and we have to, I have to say this all. This is like our standard. I'm going to start putting this in print. Have you seen the new Warner Brothers cartoon disclaimer? Yes. Brent says yes. We should do that. Yeah. So if you buy and, and, or, or rent Warner Brothers cartoons, right, for your kids, the old, now, the old ones, the classic ones. The old ones, ones right? Yeah. So we're talking about Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny and Foghorn Leghorn and all that, right? Now it comes with a disclaimer that, you know, there's violence in these cartoons and racist images, et cetera, so forth. And so you should be aware of this before you allow your children to watch these, you know, these cartoons, which may scar them for life and teach them to run around and hit people with giant hammers, and jump off cliffs with rockets on their back. You know, those type of things. <laughs> drop anvils on people. Exactly. I mean, we should not drop anvils on people. I think that's a given. But, you know, this is, uh, this is I'm going to start putting a disclaimer. It says, when we talk about things on the show about being risk, it does not mean to go put everything into cash, right? That's not good portfolio management. Don't go hit your portfolio over the head with an anvil. Okay, just be aware that jumping off a cliff with a rocket strapped to your back tends to not work out well. You know, uh, Brent, for a long time, I've been using the analogy of risk being jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Yes. Some jackass actually did that. Did you see that video? No. This guy jumped out of a, he did a halo dive, like 18,000 feet, jumps out of an airplane without a parachute, falls to the earth and lands in a net. So I can no longer use my jumping out of a plane without a parachute as a measure of risk because some guy did it now. There is it's, it's, no net. There, there, yeah, exactly. Not in this market. But if you ever get a chance, go to YouTube and look up Parachute Without a Net. It's an astounding video. Guy's a complete idiot. But there you go. Be right back after the break. So a couple of things to kind of uh, wrap up the show this morning. Walmart actually reported earnings. They beat estimates this morning, and this is kind of interesting. Again, we talked a little bit about Home Depot. Home Depot also down this morning. Um, good numbers, talking about their average ticket price was up about 11.3%. And again, this kind of goes back to our conversation earlier, where people buying more stuff or buying the same amount of stuff, just paying more for it, right? This is a problem with measuring tickets and retail sales. Now, retail sales are going to be out this morning. That's one of the big things that uh, everybody's kind of looking at very closely is what is, is that going to look like? Uh, big concerns here that likely we're going to see a drop off in retail sales again this month as, as well, particularly in the ex-auto space, be, or, or sorry, retails, including autos, because there's been a fairly decent drop in used auto car prices here just over the last month. So we'll see how this kind of plays through. But, but again, there are signs 
that inflation is starting to eat into the family budget. Walmart beat this morning. They boost their forecast. The stock is sliding on two things, right? One is a huge inventory build. Now, this is important because one of the big things that has been talked about here recently, and we've talked about this as well, is inventories, right? Oh, there's this huge inventory shortage and there's supply chain disruptions and all this other stuff, right? So that was why prices were going up. And we said, hey, be careful with this because that can change very quickly. I can build more inventory. Now, over the last couple of decades, I shouldn't say, yeah, over the last two decades, really, it's been a progress. We have been moving more and more towards a model of just-in-time delivery. And this is a function of maintaining very low inventories. You know, I don't want to have a lot of inventory sitting on my shelves that isn't selling. And now that I can deliver stuff literally overnight to wherever I want, then I don't need to maintain as much inventory on my shelves. I just maintain what I need to meet demand. And, and that way, if demand slows down, I don't have a lot of excess inventory sitting on the shelves. Well, because of the shutdown of supply chains, the economy, et cetera, that didn't really work out so well. Because now we had no inventory on the shelves, and then we give people a whole bunch of money. Now there's this demand for inventory, and I can't get it. And prices are going up, and you know it's just been a cluster for the last eight months, 10 months. Well, now those supply chains are coming back online. Inventories are starting to build, and this was one of the things that Walmart talked about this morning is that they've had a huge inventory build, right? So this is one of the things that we said would be a problem is that what retailers and suppliers would see it, they would see this big pipeline, this, this huge demand, right? So for the last several months, I haven't, there's been such a huge demand, I haven't been able to meet it. So I'm going to ramp up production right at the time where all this extra stimulus money falls off and that demand pulls back. And now what do I have? I have a lot of inventory that I can't sell. And that's going to be a problem, and, a, and that'll be something that shows up across the board that we see, particularly in automobiles, et cetera, right? So all these automakers are ramping up production as fast as they can. They're, they're pushing out cars into the lot. They're producing them, pushing them out the lot, into the lots, and all they need is some chips to go in them, and, and they're, they're good to go. And what's going to happen is that they're going to get those cars ready to sell, and demand's going to drop off because of lack of stimulus. And there's going to be huge inventory build in cars and prices are going to fall rather sharply. I mean, it's just a cycle, right? This isn't, and I'm not being pressing here and going, you know, this is, this is how it's going to happen. And I'm predicting this. No, this is just cycles. This is the way it always works, right? So, I mean, this isn't, this is, isn't something we haven't seen before, right? It's just something that this is a cycle and it's always about supply and demand. So demand ramps up, suppliers supply more stuff. And when everybody's bought what they want to buy, then you've got an oversupply of stuff. Demand drops off and you got to rebalance that equation. It's just the ebb and flow of the business cycle. Well, Walmart's now telling us that. And I mean, this is the biggest, re one of the biggest retailers in the world, right? So, you know, you pay attention to what they're saying. They reported that in the year-to-date period that... They've had weak uh, e-commerce weak e as well. So, kind of saw the same thing with Amazon just recently. And these are, the, you know, these are two of the biggest online retailers out there. Target, etc. 
But both of them have said that they had weaker sales than expected. And again, expectations were, were vastly ramped up. So the fact that they, they missed estimates wasn't a huge surprise. But it is important to be aware that people's spending habits are slowing down. And again, why are they slowing down? Two reasons. One, they have less money to spend. And two, prices are going up. You know, inflation is a problem in some areas of the markets already. And this is and this is part of the problem that the Fed is going to be dealing with. The other problem the Fed's going to deal with in terms of inflation is when rent prices catch up with homeowners. Because rent prices are coming up. A lot of demand for rentals, prices are going to come up. And this is the thing that we always forget, right? This is all about supply and demand. And when you listen to the mainstream media, it's always important to pay attention to what they're saying because they're just reporting stuff at the headline. And they don't they don't put a lot of thought into it. They don't really think about it much. They just say, "Oh, inflation's up or prices are up or whatever it is." And so and and everything is tied to a headline that generally has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on. So be careful what you hear on the mainstream media without taking some time to step back and say, "Well, what's really causing this?" What's actually happening that's causing this? What has happened over the last four or five, six months that led to this? And then what typically happens next? And that's the whole kind of the, the, the secret sauce to managing money successfully over time is paying attention to what happens next. You know, we're so caught up in the moment of trying to capture every little piece and, and every little, you know, movement in the markets that we forget about the eventual reversion and we get trapped up in these ideas that this time is different the markets are never going down it certainly feels that way right we get in these periods where it feels like man this market's never going to go down and then they do so again flash you know we're going to write the disclaimer flash of disclaimer right doesn't mean be all in cash just means pay attention to and, and when you start listening to things like what walmart is saying these are good indicators and things to think about. Total inventory soared 20%. The increase includes lapping last year's COVID-related effects on inventory as well as strong sales growth this year, this company says. Um, bloated inventory, of course, is something to pay attention to. Because, again, they have to sell that inventory. And if demand is slowing down and they had weak e-commerce sales, right, then that potentially leads to weaker earnings down the road here a bit. In a reversal from much of 2020, when the bulk of comp store growth was driven by much higher average tickets as consumers shopped less frequently but bought more because they were locked up in their house, right? <laughs> in quarter two, the average ticket actually declined eight-tenths of a percent, but the number of transactions increased. Americans started visiting their neighborhood Walmart more often, resulting in comp store sales growth of about 5.2%. Now, you know, this is, uh, you know, kind of an interesting dichotomy, right? Because people are going back to, to Walmart to shop, right? They're going in. Uh, my wife orders groceries from Walmart once a week, and she drives over, and they load them up in her car, and she drives home, right? I mean, this is, this is the new thing, right? Who wants to shop in a store? 
personally, I like going into the grocery stores to shop. The problem is I just buy a whole bunch of stuff I really don't need, right? Well, Walmart's and, kind of entertaining too. Well, absolutely. But you know, this is this, you know, this is the thing about this, you know, home delivery, right? Where you just order on your app and they deliver your groceries or you order them on an app and you pick them up. You don't impulse buy. And that's also one of the other problems, particularly with retailers, is that this this shift, you know, the whole point about shelf space in retail stores is to create impulse buys. So as you're cruising down the aisle, it's like, oh, I like that, or that looks good. I think I'll buy that. So you buy a lot of stuff you really don't need when you go to the store and shop. But when you're scrolling on an app, you're just basically buying what you need. And so retailers lose that ability to create these impulse buys, which add up to a good bit of money. And that's why that's why retailers or, or producers of products fight over shelf space, right? You want to be at the eye level shelf space, the, 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 the thing that people see, right? You don't want to be on the bottom shelf. Nobody sees you down there. So you want to be on that eye level shelf space. So that's why, you know, these producers fight over shelf space and the shelf space is so important. You lose that on the app. Heading into the earnings release, some analysts were skeptical, doubting that the company could sustain its recent momentum, especially now that stimulus checks are spent and year-over-year comparisons are getting harder. Ding, ding, ding. Right? This is what we said. And that's what happened this morning. So pay attention to Walmart. Pay attention to Home Depot. Right? These are telling you something about the real strength of the economy and what's actually happening underneath. And pay attention to what's below the headlines are shoppers buying more or are they just paying more for the same amount of stuff, i.e. inflation? This has some consequences down the road. But again, pay attention to markets here. Markets are going to open down a little bit this morning. But can they recover like they did yesterday? These weak openings and intraday rallies on light volume are not real healthy. And they're also not real. They're not based on strong demand and breadth of markets. One of these mornings, we're going to open down and stay down, and that's going to be the, the point where we need to reassess our positioning. Is that today? We'll find out. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Our new website is up. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.